Chapter 6 of Basil, or Honesty and Industry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Harder. Basil, or Honesty and Industry, by C. G. O'Brien. Chapter 6 A Sabbath Well Spent. Basil was up very early the next morning, and had lighted the fire before his mother, who was rather tired from the effects of her journey, came downstairs. She had been working, too, rather late the night before, and had patched up Basil's clothes after he had gone to bed, in order that he might look a little decent to go to the Sunday school. Her sister had put into the bundle a pair of boots, which her second boy had outgrown, and they had just happened to fit Basil as if they had been made for him so that when his hands and face were well washed and his hair was well brushed he looked quite a tidy respectable boy basil don't look as nice as cousins do when they have to go to school said little annie they have always nice clean pinafores on and a black bag to carry their books in i hope basil will have a pinafore by next sunday said his mother i wish i could go to school too mother you're not strong enough to walk so far yet a while annie "'Aunt Mary has a pretty little cart, all painted green, and Cousin Frank draws Nellie to school in it,' said Annie, rather discontentedly. "'Your aunt and cousins have many things that we have not,' replied her mother. "'Maybe we shall be better off some day, Annie, but you mustn't begin to grumble now you're come home.' "'I won't, mother, I won't indeed,' cried the little girl, "'and I will try not to be thinking about what my cousins have. Some day we'll see if we can't make you a little green cart to go to school in, Annie, said her father, who had been listening to the conversation. Oh, father! And the little rainbow face looked up with a bright, happy smile. And if you'd like to go to church this morning, wife, continued he, I will look after the young'uns. I think I'd rather wait till next Sunday, Jacob. Thank you all the same. But you will go, won't you? added she persuasively. I'm afraid I'm hardly decent enough, said Jacob, looking down at his clothes which were certainly anything but clean. "'You shan't be another Sunday with such dirty things,' said his wife. "'It's all my fault, Jacob.' "'But Miss Hamilton said, Father, that our shabby clothes did not so much matter as long as our hands and face were clean.' "'I'll go,' said Jacob, with a determined voice. "'God knows I've done many things lately I had more reason to be ashamed of than going to God's house in shabby clothes. I'll go, wife.' Basil set off to school with a light heart. When all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, Transported with the view I'm lost, in wonder, love, and praise. Basil had never heard that beautiful hymn, but the thoughts expressed in it passed through his mind as he walked along through the pleasant lanes on that bright and peaceful Sabbath. He was almost afraid he should be late, and was glad when he had ascended a hilly part of the road from whence the schoolhouse was visible, to see a number of children going toward it from different directions. Then he knew he was in good time. Beech Grove, the name of the house where Mr. Hamilton lived, was situated on the hillside very near the church and schoolhouse, and as Basil passed the lodge gate, he saw a young lady walking on a short distance before him, who he fancied might be Miss Hamilton, although she looked very different in a bonnet to what she had done in her riding dress. He was quite right in his conjecture, for when he entered the schoolroom she had just taken her seat. She welcomed Basil with a kind smile. "'I'm very glad to see you, Basil,' she said, 
pointing to a seat on a form close by her. Mr. Norton, the clergyman, also spoke a few kind words to Basil, and said he hoped he would now be more regular in his attendance. "'I hope so, sir,' said Basil. "'I will try to be so.' Miss Hamilton had not more than six or seven boys in her class, but she hoped to have a larger number by the following Sunday. She had given them all the same hymn to learn for her, and was pleased to find that Basil had learned two verses quite perfectly. She gave him a neat Bible, and told him she would bring him a piece of stuff when she came to his cottage in the week, for his mother to make him a bag in which to keep his books. "'I shall expect to see them quite clean, Basil, and free from dog's ears,' she said. She then read to the boys the eighth chapter of St. Matthew, and dwelt particularly upon that portion of it, commencing at the twenty-third verse, where a great storm at sea is described, and where the disciples awoke our Saviour, saying, Save, Lord, we perish. And then she pointed out the loving kindness and gentleness of Jesus Christ, who, instead of being angry with his disciples' want of faith, listened to their prayer, and calmed the raging of the tempest. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith, he said to them, more in sorrow than in anger? Just so, continued Miss Hamilton, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord will look with pity on our weakness, and help us in all our dangers. To be acquainted with our own weakness, to distrust our own power of standing upright, is one great help in the right way. For when we feel ourselves so very weak, what does it naturally make us inclined to do? To pray to God to make us strong, ma'am, said Basil, as the events of the past week came into his mind. Quite right, Basil, and what assurance have we that God will hear us when we call upon him? Can any boy give me a text? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you, said little Robert Allen, a boy of ten years. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, said another. Will God always answer our prayers, ma'am? asked Basil. That will depend very much on whether we ask such things as please him, or such things as will be good for us to have granted. You boys might ask your parents for many things which they might know would not be proper or good for you to have, and they would consequently refuse your request. We ought to feel that God will always answer our petitions when it is good for us. Is it right to pray to be rich? asked Basil. I don't think it is right to wish very much to be rich, answered Miss Hamilton, and therefore I don't think it would be right to pray for it. I once read that it would be a good way to prove whether our wishes were right or wrong, to think whether they would bear to be turned into prayers. I mean that we should then find that we ought not to desire very much what we dare not pray for. You know the wise man says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. God could have made you rich if it had been good for you. I think one of our prayers to God ought to be similar to the petition the apostles made to our Lord upon the earth. Lord, teach us to pray. And then we should be sure to pray right if God taught us, shouldn't we, ma'am? said Robert. Yes, Robert. Can anyone give me an example of a prayer that pleased God? Was it Solomon's prayer, ma'am? It was. When Solomon became king, he prayed to God for wisdom to rule his kingdom rightly. And God heard his prayer and said to him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, lo, I have done according to thy words. 
I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, and I have also given thee what thou hast not asked, both riches and honor. I think we may learn from this example, Basil, what sort of petitions pleases God. We have great need to pray to Him, to make us ask such things as please Him, and if we are accustomed to ask His blessing upon all we do, it will help us never willfully to do a wrong thing. It will help us to think whether what we are about to do is right or wrong, and so help us both to pray and to act according to the will of God. The time passed away so quickly that Basil was surprised and sorry when he was told to prepare for going to divine worship. "'You may walk down with me, boys, if you like,' said Miss Hamilton, and they gladly availed themselves of the permission. "'I should like you all to think during the week of what you have heard at school on Sunday,' said their kind teacher. "'Next week, for example, let each boy recollect those lines in his hymn. "'Jesus Christ, my Lord and Saviour, once became a child like me.' Let it ever be before your mind, at work or at play, that the Lord of heaven and earth condescended for your sakes to take upon him the form of a little child, and whilst that thought fills us with love and gratitude, let it also encourage you to go to him and all your difficulties and trials, seeing that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin." Basil sat by his father during the service, and when it was over they had a pleasant walk home together, and Basil repeated a good deal of what he had been taught at school. "'I'm so glad Miss Hamilton has a class, father. I like her so much better than my former teacher. She is so kind and good.' "'I shouldn't have known her again,' said his father. "'She was but a slip of a girl when she left home for foreign parts. Most folks said only to die.' But God had some work for her to do for him, it seems. That afternoon, Basil read a chapter to his father and mother out of his new Bible, and Mrs. Green suggested to her husband that they should begin to read a portion every evening. For, continued she, how can we expect God to take care of us and bless us if we neglect his word, and never pray to him? I'm no great scholar-wife, but I'll do my best, said Jacob. End of chapter 6